Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 20, and uh, we're really going to spend most of our time this morning uh, in one part of chapter 21, but I want to at least give us an overview of uh, where we're at as we continue forward in this series uh, through Joshua, entitled God is Bigger, and uh, I want to warm you up early this morning, alright, so uh, I, this is something that I pray, church, uh, we don't just proclaim or remind ourselves of during this series in Joshua, but I'm, my prayer is that this becomes something that you and I uh, will remind ourselves and each other of in months to come. Uh, especially when we walk alongside one another through the challenges that we face, uh, through both the highs and the lows, that in all of these things we would be able to proclaim the truth that God is indeed bigger. And we believe that to be true. Amen? And so uh, what I want to do is I'm going to count to three, and I want to hear you proclaim that this morning uh, boldly and profoundly uh, to hear each other communicate and say that communally, okay? So let's uh, see how awake everyone is. Here we go. One, two, three. Amen. And we really have just a few more weeks in our series through Joshua, and uh, we will be finishing that up uh, here in uh, the month of October. And uh, just as a prequel, as we look to the rest of the year, we're actually going to be starting the book of Philippians starting in uh, November. And we're going to walk through the book of Philippians together uh, through the end of the year. So uh, I'm anticipating going through that with you as well as we look at the great joy that we can have in Christ. Um, We are just coming out of probably one of the more difficult sections of Joshua. And if you've been following along with us and reading each week, which I continue to challenge you to do, you're coming close to the end of Joshua, church. And the last several weeks, these readings in the book of Joshua have been focused around the inheritance being received by the people. And now in chapters 20 and 21, we see kind of the peak of this, and the final inheritance is given out. And in, in chapter 20 and chapter 21, what we see is, and I'm just going to uh, I'm gonna give you a broad overview and challenge you to read this, and then we're going to look at the last three verses of 21 today for our time together. But uh, chapter 20 is a focus on something called cities of refuge. And the basic explanation of this church is that uh, God had set in place a way for if someone accidentally... Uh, 
killed someone, that they had these six cities of refuge that they could go to and be safe from the family's avenger of the blood. In other words, uh, if something happened, if there was an accident, all right, someone's uh, cutting down a tree and the limb accidentally falls on someone and kills them, uh, to keep from someone who's a part of that a deceased family member from attacking and uh, killing, making a rash judgment about what really happened, uh, the individual who was present could flee to a city of refuge and await due process and a trial to happen. So God is a God of justice, and that's what we see here, is God made provisions for justice to be carried out, even here on earth, through the fallible mankind. And then in chapter 21, you have uh, the final allotment of cities and pasture lands to the Levites, those whose inheritance was God and God himself. The Lord had promised to this group of individuals within the nation of Israel that when the land was given out, even though they themselves did not receive a physical inheritance, he would provide cities for them to dwell in and pasture lands for their flock. And it goes back to even once again what we saw last week when we focused on the reality that God is indeed faithful in all things. God fulfilled His promises to His people exactly as He had said He would. And this ultimately, this character of God that we see throughout Joshua and throughout the whole of Scripture is even further what we want to focus on this morning as we think about, uh, as we look at and think about uh, the depth of the last three verses in Joshua chapter 21. So I want to read those with you. And this is where we're going to sit this morning because it has profound implications both for the nation of Israel and for us as the church right here today. So Joshua chapter 21, I'm going to start in verse 43 of chapter 21, verse 43. It says, Thus the Lord God gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it. And they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest. Everyone say rest. On every side, just as He had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given them all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came pass. Father, we thank you for your great faithfulness, for the promises that you've given to your people, and Lord, how you bring those to fulfillment within your own timing, within your own will, uh, according to your plan. Lord, I pray that you open our eyes to understand more fully the depth of your character as you have revealed yourself to be. In your word, in creation, in one another, Father, that you would be the focus of our attention. You alone would be glorified above all else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord gave them rest. 
true rest is found in the promises of the Lord. True rest is found in the promises of the Lord. Now, the reality is we need to ask a question when we see a passage like this, where in verse 44 it says, And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Specifically, we need to ask the question or seek to understand, what does he mean here by rest, that the Lord gave them rest? And the reason we need to think about this is because you and I, when we read a word like that, probably have multiple different ideas of what rest really is. Some of you, and I'm going to say probably the youngest amongst us, does not like the word rest. I don't want to rest. I just want to go, right? Others of you may recognize you're not good at what you call rest. And still others of you may be here and going, oh, I could really use some rest. Right? And all mean different things by it. Now, specifically here, what I want you to understand is the rest the Lord has given the nation of Israel is a physical peace that he has brought about. More specifically, the Lord had delivered them from their season of conquest and he had given them victory over their enemies and therefore brought about rest in the land. And that's a different definition of rest than we might think of when we think of sleep or feeling rested. It was a physical, as they looked around, the Lord had fulfilled his promise, had given them an inheritance, and they could rest. But a more specific question here might be, how did they come to this place of rest? And what we understand based in everything leading up to this point is that it was because of their obedience to the Lord and what he had called them to do that they could truly enjoy this rest. Lasting rest in the Lord depends upon obedience to the Lord. If we go back and we think about what would it have looked like if the nation of Israel had not done what the Lord asked them to do? Oh wait, they did. If we go back and we remember, there was a generation earlier that came to the waters of the promised land before. But what happened? That generation stopped there and said, we're not going any further. The enemies that lie ahead are too big. There's no way. And there was a faithful few that said, we need to obey the Lord. But because the nation as a whole said, no, we're not obeying the Lord. We're not going to walk in obedience to what the Lord has commanded us to do. They were driven out into the desert for 40 years until every one of them in that generation, apart from Joshua and Caleb, died. Now what's interesting that we can observe about that, there was a whole generation of people who could have experienced rest, this rest the Lord had promised, but because of their disobedience, they did not. Lasting rest in the Lord depends upon 
obedience to the Lord. How do we often define rest? And why do we define it that way? We often, if we're honest, we often equate rest with laziness or idleness. That I'm resting when I'm just sitting on the couch enjoying an evening or sitting on the porch, you know, and then I'm resting. But biblical rest, church, is always active. What do I mean by that? It's active in the sense that biblical rest does not mean that the work is done. But rather, it is the ongoing reward of obedience and faithfulness. Understand here what the text says in verse 45. You look at this. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Every single one of them. Now, who here believes the Lord doesn't change? The Lord's the same. Okay? That's what we should, should recognize. Why? Because the Bible says so. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the Lord is the same. Everyone say the same. So if the same God, the same Lord, the same God who promised Israel that He was going to provide these things is the same God who's given us assurance of the promises that He's made in His Word. Where are we going to find lasting rest? It's in obedience to what the Lord has already communicated. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord made to the nation of Israel had failed. Last week we talked about God's faithfulness in all things. And this pattern continues, but we also recognize in this text that the word of the Lord never fails. God's word never fails. And when we think about that, we need to recognize something. We need to recognize God's word is not significant because it is in the Bible. The Bible is significant because it is the very words of God. And if we mistake that, here's what happens. If we mistake that, then we're prone to pick and choose out of this book what we think God's words actually are. And yet, the reality is, every word of Scripture is profitable for you to grow and become less like who you are and more like Jesus. God's words are not significant simply because they're in a book that we call the Bible. This book is significant because it carries the very words of God Himself. And so if we want to understand, if, we, if you're here and you're going, man, I want to experience a rest, a rest that I haven't experienced, and no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem, there I did it, I just can't seem to find this rest. I just, in everything I can, I'm still exhausted, I'm still burdened, there's still more to do, there's still more happening. Lasting rest 
comes when we seek to obey the commands of the Lord. Israel experienced this firsthand. The only way they experienced this physical rest and peace amongst them was because they were willing to obey the Lord first. Now, there's a second piece to this that we see in these three verses. And that's this. Lasting rest is rooted in the promises of the Lord. Lasting rest is rooted in the promises of the Lord. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give their fathers. They took possession of it. You see both of those there. The promises of the Lord, what He had promised to their fathers before them, and their obedience to the Lord. They took possession of it. Now, one might ask, where do we see these promises of the Lord? Specifically the promises for rest. Well, there's two places I'm going to take you to. The first one is in Exodus 33, verse 14. And I know it might be a little hard to read up here. But <clears throat> Exodus 33:14. this is what it says. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me to let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may consider that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And this is what God says to Moses. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. The second place we see this reminder is actually at the beginning of Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 13. He says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Now, there's a lot of time that has taken place. And if we want to even look further at the promises of the Lord, as we have looked back clear to Abraham and God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15. True rest is rooted in the promises of the Lord. Why? Because God is bigger. God is bigger than what you're facing. And the reality is, if you try on your own to experience a rest that lasts apart from God, you will never find it. And those of you who think that, well, I just got to get through this season of my life. Trust me, it gets worse There are brothers and sisters in this room who have experienced the joy of retirement. And if you talk to them, they go, I feel like we're busier now than we were when I was working. And you would think maybe you're in the boat where you're saying, I just got to get through these years of work and then I'm going to have a season to rest. What does rest mean? If you are waiting for a season to come where you just experience a rest from the world, you will not find it. Because true rest is experienced, is found when we walk in obedience to the Lord, understanding what He and He alone has promised us. 
Now, one might ask, what promises of the Lord can we cling to today? And I want you to recognize, if you have never read this book, if you've never read God's Word and looked for the promises of God throughout these pages, you're missing something. Just to to name a few, we can have assurance of salvation according to 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, where it says, This is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's an assurance of God answering our prayer in John chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus says, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. There's assurance of victory in the challenges you face. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's assurance of forgiveness in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's assurance of guidance in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Now that church is just a handful and doesn't do justice to all the promises of the Lord. But the problem is, is we do not know the promises of the Lord and therefore cannot find lasting rest. God has not called us to know what the future holds, but to know who holds the future. Amen. God has not called us to move towards a future of our liking, but to embrace the future he has already determined. God has not called us to have confidence in our own ability to navigate the seasons ahead, but has called us to have faith in his proven track record to bring about exactly what he has promised. Church, we will not find rest in the Lord if we do not know what the Lord has commanded or promised us. You want a reason, and we shouldn't have to need a reason, you want a reason to be in this book every day. It is the only place you will find rest. In order to experience that, we have to know what the Lord has promised and what He has commanded us. So quickly we lose sight of the promises of God in the hard seasons. So easily we make up our own promises and then we blame God when they don't come to be. Now I know this may be hard to read and so if you want a copy of this, I will, I will send it to you. But I wanted to put this up here because one of the aspects of this that we also need to understand is what God has not promised us. And this is just a small list. God has never promised that life will be easy. 
God has never promised that He will keep you physically safe. God has never promised that He will keep you physically healthy, church. God has never promised that He will provide you abundant material wealth. God has never promised that you will not experience grief and loss. God has never promised that you won't experience betrayal. But you know what God has done? God has promised us eternal rest in Jesus. And do you know what Jesus experienced when he was on earth? He experienced hunger. He experienced temptation. He experienced loss and grief. He experienced betrayal and hurt. He experienced physical pain and anguish. And Jesus was God Himself in human flesh. Church, if Christ experienced it, how dare we think that we don't, we won't. And yet, in the midst of hurt and betrayal and pain and grief and betrayal, all these things, God is faithful and His Word and His promises remain true. Therefore, lasting rest can be found in a God who is not phased by the trials and challenges that you see here on earth, but whose promises remain true all the way into eternity. Jesus in Matthew 11 said, Come to me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. True rest, church, is found in Christ. Lasting rest is rooted in obedience to the commands and the promises of the Lord. Apart from Jesus, we will not encounter lasting rest. And this is where The gospel hope and character of God in the Old Testament intersects with the new covenant of the New Testament in Christ. Where there is one way, church. There is one way to eternity and there is one way to experience lasting rest. Jesus. And when we surrender our life to Christ, it's us choosing to say, I want To experience the rest that can only come through the God of creation. And so I'm going to choose to follow His way. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to sing a song before we take communion together. Okay? And specifically, I want you to resonate or think about... The promises that have been made available to sinners like us in Christ. Promises of eternal life. Promises to be co-heirs with Jesus. Promises to be present in, with the Lord. Promises of being able to go to the Lord in prayer. All of these things are made available only through the sacrifice of Christ. And it should leave us 
at a place of going, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, my Savior. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And then that should be the echo of our hearts as we go through the challenges that you're facing right now. To go, I can, it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter how busy my week is, if I am remaining faithful to the Lord's commands and His call on my life, I can experience rest because I know my eternity is secure. Now maybe you're here and you don't have that rest. Maybe you don't have that kind of peace and you need to stop and you need to evaluate and go, Lord, I I desire this rest, but I have not surrendered and submitted to your lordship over my life and I want to do that now. And so as we prepare to take communion together, I want you to use the first couple verses and chorus of this song to just prepare your hearts to remember what has been done for us in Christ. That our God is bigger. He's bigger than the very sin that separates us from Himself. He's bigger than death itself as proven in the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Father, as we think about these truths, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the vastness of who you are and what you have promised to us. Lord, that you would help us to experience true rest that has no bearing upon how busy our schedules are, that has no bearing upon the chaos in the world, but has everything to do with standing in your presence, amazed that you would call us as your own. Lord, give us a hope that is rooted in the things of eternity, not the things here, not our country, not this building, not the financial status where we're at, Lord, but you. That we would be fully satisfied in you. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.